probably. So let's do it one more time. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Yes. It's a good morning. I always feel like any morning that we can get up and praise the Lord is a good morning. And so um, I have the honor and the privilege of coming before you folks. I'm sorry I'm getting settled up here. I want to make sure I'm on time, so I have to have my phone here to give me a little bit of a wake-up call. Because um, we could be here all night if you guys want to. Um, but, but I am honored and privileged to be before you. Um, and to be able to open up and share with you the Word of God is um, such a blessing. And so as Tim is away, um, he gave me the opportunity to bring the Word to you today. Um, and I guess I have my lovely wife, Jessica, to thank for this as well. Um, in the conversation with Tim, um, when he said, hey, would you like to preach? I thought to myself, uh, no. <laughs> um, but then he said, hey, um, just said you would. <laughs> and, and thoughts of words like get behind me, Satan, and things of that nature went through my head because I said my wife would never say that. She would never say that, but um, she did. And so here I am, and I am thankful um, for the opportunity. Um, as we talked, she said, hey, I think you need to preach. Um, and so when God puts that on her heart, um, that in essence is him putting that on my heart. Um, and so as I stand before you folks, I am blessed and honored that God saw fit to put that on my wife. And so um, without further ado, I um, just want to give you a heads up that today we will actually be in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. That is where we will start, but we will not stop there. Um, we will actually be moving around quite a bit, so hopefully your fingers are nimble because, yeah, we're going to be moving. Um, and without a doubt, want to thank Aaron and the praise team. Always a blessing. Um, it is such a powerful thing um, to be able to hear the gospel preached in worship. Um, you don't even need me. And that is an incredible thing, and that is a blessing that we have within this body that regardless of what comes from the mouth of the people before you here on this pulpit, you know that it's going to be of God and centered in his word. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let us pray before we go before the Lord and open up this word. Father God, we just thank you so much um, for another day, Lord. And Lord, we know um, that tomorrow's not promised. And so the fact that you allow for us to be here right now is just so overwhelming. And so, Lord, as, as I think about um, this service, Father, I just ask that um, you would help me to die of self, um, that you would move me out of your way, and that the words that are uttered would be your words and not my own, Father. Lord, I, I think of um, new beginnings. I think of the graduates that we have amongst us right now, Lord, and I just pray that you would um, make straight their paths, Lord, and give them direction. And as Blaze and Kayla um, are entering into matrimony, Lord, I just um, ask that you would do the same for them. We praise you, Father, for new beginnings, um, for the fact that the blood of Christ was spilled, that we would be able to be new creations. And so, Lord, I pray that we would not take that for granted, but that we would dive into it and embrace, and embrace it, Lord, and, and, and seek more of you, that we would be more like you. And that as we would go through our journey, Lord, the only thing that would be on our hearts is we would look forward to the day that we would be reunited um, with the Lord of Lords. 
And so, God, as we move into this time, I pray that you would um, just open the ears of everyone here to the words that you would speak to them, Lord, and that you would just use me as a conduit in the vessel to do so. And I pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ with great thanksgiving. Amen. So, the title of the sermon today is Trust God. Um, two single-syllable words, right? Um, you probably have heard these words frequently if you've been in church. Um, but one of the things that I think I've discovered as I've gone through examining these two words is, as simple as they seem, they're sometimes very, very hard to obey. And, and one of the things that, that we find is that, that we live in a society that, that increases the pressure of finding answers within us. If you go to the best-selling book charts and you look at the books that are offered, you would see that those books are self-help books for the most part, or books that take you into the imagination. But, but what we find is that those books are not grounded in the word, in the truth. And so really, what we find is that we, we have a society that is really, in essence, creating its own reality. And one of the things that I found on my journeys of, of just trying to, to discover more about, about this topic and, and understanding more about trusting God, I ran across a pretty interesting article that I want to share with you folks right now. In 2018, the American Psychiatry Association, also known as the APA, conducted a survey, and the results of that survey were astounding. That survey told us that anxiety levels within this country for adults increased 40% over the previous year. I don't know about you folks, but that is amazing to me. Um, the president of the APA, Anita Everett, went on to say that this poll shows U.S. adults are increasingly anxious, particularly about health, safety, and finances. She went on to say that the increased stress, fear, and anxiety can significantly impact many aspects of a person's life, including their mental health, and it can even affect their families. Ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you right now that we are not created to bear this weight alone. So anybody in this place who has faced anxiety, who has faced worry, who has faced guilt, you were not created to face that alone, ladies and gentlemen. And the other thing that I would say to you is, is that anxiety at its best would distract us from our relationship with the Lord, the Lord of all. And at its worst, it's a crippling disease that takes over our minds and plunges our thoughts into darkness. Matthew 11.25 says that he is Lord of heaven and earth. He is Lord of heaven and earth, yet we do not trust. We do not trust. God wants so much more from us than walking through a life of fear, worry, and anxiety. But we do not trust. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made to the Lord. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ. And just a side note, ladies and gentlemen, um, I know that Tim said that we were done with Philippians. You may be looking at me and saying, why are you back in Philippians? It's relevant. I promise you, it's relevant, so please bear with me. 
Um, but as we go back and we look at those verses, we see that our instructions don't stop there, right? The chapter goes on to tell believers exactly what we should focus on as we move forward. And it's not fear. And it's not anxiety. It's not illness. It's not death or evil. Those verses say, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. What have you learned and received and heard and seen in me? Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. And that's Philippians 8 and 9. Ladies and gentlemen, in other words, trust God. Trust God. Proverbs 5 and 6 puts it this way, and this is our text for the day. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And please understand, ladies and gentlemen, that that those verses said, with all your heart, in all your ways. Not 80, not 75%, but in all of those things. But then we go back to the word trust. And and going back to the word trust, we still struggle. And so I've come up with a couple of reasons why we struggle maybe with trust. The first reason is that we have a heart condition. As Jeremiah 17.9 explains, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Our flesh is weak. And our sinful nature can't be counted on. But at all times, by our actions, we trust both of these things more than we trust God. I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen. But I'm so desperate at points to serve the Lord, to pursue the Lord. But all of a sudden, when I am not focused on him, when I'm not remembering what he has done for me, I find myself at a significant disadvantage because my flesh is weak and it's wanting. And the only thing that keeps me on track is the Holy Spirit within me. But then the question that I have is why then do I feel like I can accomplish these things on my own? Why do I feel like I should have the strength to do this alone? And then that takes us to our second point. We are much too self-sufficient. We yearn to get ourselves out of jams rather than acknowledging that the jam was directed or permitted by our sovereign God to teach us. Moreover, by not trusting him, we short-circuit the lesson by working within our own power. When I realized that, It makes me want to weep. I cannot believe that I don't trust the Lord of the universe, knowing everything he's done for me time and time again. But I don't trust him because of how I feel. 
because of how I feel. Right? Number three. Another reason we fail the test is that we are too quick to call on others. All of you probably have capable friends. You look like a lovely group of people, somewhat sociable at points. And so in being a lovely group of people, I'm pretty sure that you can extend that and make friends with people. And and maybe some of these people are going to be smarter than you are, richer than you are, better connected than you are, wiser than you are. But ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you that the problem is that these people can very easily become a crutch. Right? You can begin to trust them more than you trust the Lord. And so instead of looking to God, you look to your friend for advice. Instead of praying for God's direction and guidance in your life, you want to call your friend, you want to talk to your wife, you want to connect with your husband to find out what their thoughts on things are. And please, ladies and gentlemen, don't think that the things that I just said to you were wrong, but, but the thing that I'm saying to you is go to the Lord first. Go to the Lord first. He desires for you to come to him. He wants to give you what he has. But then why do we hesitate? Why don't we move the way we know we should move? Why doesn't our knowledge inform our hearts instead of our wicked and deceitful hearts informing our knowledge? As we move forward, the fourth reason that we struggle with trusting God is because at points we may be distant and we don't really know him. Like any relationship, getting to know the Lord takes time and effort and patience. However, some people are not able to experience a closer relationship with God because their hearts are cold towards him. This is because they're attracted to things of the world. And I've got to tell you, allowing this attraction to fester and grow will become a barrier that will never allow them to enjoy a relationship with the Lord. But then when things get hard, where do we seek? We seek God. We have placed idols before him. But when the going gets tough, the expectation is, is that we will always have the Lord there to bail us out. As I moved um, through this lesson um, that I had in preparing the sermon, I, I found myself um, time and time again going back to my own life and thinking about God's provision and, and how he has delivered me. Um, and I also understood that every single point that I've given you so far is me. It's me. One of the things that I found to be extremely encouraging, however, is that we have many, many, many believers who have come before us, a cloud even, of those who set a path. And I'll give you an example of one right now. After 25 years as a believer, the Apostle Paul said that he had not yet attained to knowing Christ as he ought. 
but he pressed on towards the goal. And that's Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 through 14. And if that was true of Paul, who wasn't exactly what we consider to be an average believer, how much more is it true of us that we need to press on, pursue, seek, obtain? The thing that I I discovered um, by looking at all of this and examining it is that a lot of times we allow our circumstances to drive us instead of us driving our circumstances. We allow what we're going through to set the tone for whether or not we have a close relationship with the Lord, whether or not we praise him. So if he's delivered, then we're on our knees thanking him. If we feel like he has not done what we wanted him to do, then we harden our hearts and we want to walk away. But God is God is God. He is the same God that he was yesterday. He is that God today and he will be that God tomorrow. And that God is good. That God is good. The fifth reason we don't trust God is because we have cultivated the bad habit of worrying. Much of us are better at worrying than trusting. In fact, if you were to put together a list of worrying versus a prayer list, um, could I say that your worry list might be longer than your prayer list? It's just a question. And because I'm preaching, it's rhetorical, so you don't even have to answer it. But, but if you are a worrier, then, then right now you're, you're probably worried about something, right? Um, you may be worried about your relationships with other people. You may be worried about your job. You may be worried about your future or your finances. And so now that I've mentioned worrying, you probably are worrying about your worry. But I say, praise God if that's the case. Because I submit to you that you will never conquer worry on your own. It's part of the flesh. And the only way that we will get through it is to trust God. Trust to put that worry on hold. Trust to set it aside. Trust to deliberately shove it away by saying, God, at this moment, I rest in you and in you alone. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, Paul said, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, in short, Paul is basically describing his great and noteworthy human achievements using the worst possible word picture he could come up with. All that mattered to Paul was Christ. Everything else was merely 
utter garbage. Prison, garbage. Worry, garbage. Give me a circumstance, garbage. His eyes were set on Christ. Everything else, garbage. To be thrown on the pile. To be referenced as that which Christ has helped him to overcome. Not something to be worshipped. Not something to be wallowed in. It was garbage. And it was through Christ that he set his course on this earth. To further explore this point, I put together um, a list of things that, that might reveal um, to us how little we trust. Um, the first point is, um, when you choose to worry and not seek God, you do not trust. When you focus on fixing what is out of your control and not going before the Lord of the universe, you do not trust. When you hurry ahead and do not wait on God, you do not trust. When you lie awake, twisting and turning at night without going to your Lord and Savior, you do not trust. When you do not believe the biblical principles and promises that are in God's word, you do not trust. When you turn to others before God, you do not trust. When you manipulate and maneuver situations to your advantage, you do not trust. When you step in and take charge without consulting the Lord in regards to whether he wants you to do that or not, whether it's the right thing, you do not trust. When you cling to others in order to feel secure and loved, you do not trust. And the list goes on and on and on. And I hope by that list, you can see how easy it is to live in the flesh and not trust God with all your heart. And one of the things that we struggle with the most, one of our problems is our hesitation to put our full weight on God when we can't see the future. We don't trust. How God moves is his prerogative, it's his choice. But our failure to rest in him, to trust him, often keeps us in poverty of soul and spiritually pleading. How much better to rest in him and realize his understandings go far beyond our own. How much better is it to not lean on your own understanding? Because again, ladies and gentlemen, I emphasize that our understanding is limited to what we know and we know what we feel. But what about what we know that is God? Right? When we trust the Lord, we stand on God's sovereignty and his goodness. And in those two things, we have freedom. Fully stated, it is freedom and surrender. 
This gives us courage to face our greatest fears. Understanding that that courage does not come from our self-confidence. It does not come from others. But it comes from trusting God's powerful promises to act on our behalf. A beautiful, absolutely lovely picture of this, and this will be your homework, ladies and gentlemen. I am not going to give you this, but an absolutely fantastic picture of this is Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Right? Through these two things, we also see that God is loving. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 18 through 19, Paul prayed that the Ephesians would have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth to know the Lord, to love, to know the love of Christ, rather. That surpasses all knowledge. They, they would be filled with all the fullness of God. God's love surpasses all human knowledge. It surpasses all human knowledge. But yet we work and we toil to know it. We are so desperate to know it that we can't even enjoy it. When what we really could be doing is just basking in the fullness of it. God's love for us surpasses what we understand and what we know. But we also, in his love, began to understand his sovereign power and infinite wisdom and how he blesses us. Everything he does for us, he does in love. And understanding that we can't usually see that love when we're going through hard times. We can't usually comprehend it when we're struggling with something. But that doesn't mean that God's not there. That doesn't mean that God is not present. There's an expression that I was um, told when I was early in my, um, my embracing of the Lord as my Savior. And that expression was, just watch what God does when you have faith. He will show up and show out. The only reservation I have with that expression now is that he doesn't have to show up. He was already there. All I needed to do was let him in. He always wants to show up and show out. Why would he need a special occasion? Right? As we move towards the things that we have access to. The next one is trusting God because he is faithful. Joshua chapter 5, verses 10 through 12 is an excellent picture of his faithfulness. Those verses read, While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgad, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes 
and parched grain. And the manna ceased that day after they ate the produce of the land. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Did you know, ladies and gentlemen, that that was a point where the Israelites celebrated? Because they no longer had to be weighing on God's provision because he had already provided. And the most powerful piece of that is that the manna was only necessary because they did not believe. God needed to provide for them in that way because they would not be obedient and step out on faith and do what he asked them to do. That is the only reason why he needed to provide it in the first place. So then, ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you. Do you need manna in your life in some form, in some fashion? Do you need manna? Do you need a provision right now? Because that's what God does for us, right? He gives us manna. His, his provision is always perfect. He gives us what we need. But what he ultimately wants us to do, I believe in my heart of hearts, is continue to move towards him. So that blessing that he promises us, that abundant life that he promises us, becomes fuller and richer the more we have of him not the more we have of us. And so, yes, we have our desires, and we're supposed to make those desires known to the Lord. But one of the things I will submit to you again, ladies and gentlemen, is that what do those desires look like? What do your desires look like? I'll tell you of... Uh, of a time in my life um, where I had a desire. Um, it came about, say, about a year and a half ago. My daughter, Sarah, um, was ill. We had taken her to our primary care physician, and um, they said that she had a urinary tract infection. We took her home. It turned out that she did not have a urinary tract infection. It turned out she had appendicitis. We did not find out about her appendicitis until two days later. Unbeknownst to us, by the time we found out, her appendix had ruptured. I remember taking her to Williamsport Hospital that Tuesday. Um, I think it was September 24th. Um, thinking that we just needed to get her checked, um, remembering carrying her into the hospital because she couldn't walk. Um, remember seeing the PA that was on duty that night, um, saying, we're not sure what's going on. Um, she did a couple of simple tests, and she said she has appendicitis, and she needs to go to Garcia. I did not go home. Jess was with us um, when we left, and we were on our way to Gasigona Ambulance, and I remember being in the car by myself as I followed them, um, and I remember crying out to the Lord and letting him know my desire. 
I wanted my daughter to live. And I remember just going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And pleading and begging and borrowing and bargaining with him that he would let her stay. I know God's provision is perfect. And that if he would have taken her that day, his provision would have still been perfect. But I know what I wanted. I know what I wanted. And so, as I was driving, I happened upon an ambulance that was on the side of the road. And I thought, is that Sarah and Jess? That couldn't be Sarah and Jess. They couldn't be broken down on the side of the road. Lord, that, you wouldn't let that happen. Well, it turns out it was Sarah and Jess. And they were broken down on the side of the road. But as I was um, still headed on my way to Gashinger, I, I continued to say, Lord, I have no idea what your plan is, but please, 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 don't take her. I remember talking about Abraham moments, as I called them, moments of faith, moments of believing in God that regardless of God's request of me was, is that I would step into those Abraham moments with courage and valor, understanding that whatever God asked for, him being the sovereign God of the universe, he can, he can provide for. And that's what Abraham did. Abraham knew God was God. He knew that if he gave his son up, that God could heal him and reunite them. He believed in God. He had trust. And through my tears, I trusted God. I did. And so, ladies and gentlemen, please let, let it be known. That trusting in God doesn't necessarily mean there will be no tears. In fact, there will be tears. There will be tears. But that doesn't mean he's not good. That doesn't mean his provision is not perfect. Long story short, got to the hospital. And this is a whirlwind, mind you, crazy type of thing, really constantly moving, not really knowing what's going on. The only thing that we could do was make phone calls to friends to get the girls at home tucked away. We didn't know how long we were going to be there. And my mind was just spinning. And then I entered into the hospital, and I'll never forget this, and, it was in, and there was a guy on the side, and he said, hey, you work at Lock Haven University. And I thought to myself, yes, I do, and I'm not talking to you right now. <laughs> This is not a good time for me. And he said, um, he said, I remember you. He said, my daughter attended Lock Haven. She went through the orientation program, and we met you at orientation. I said, yes. And he said, why are you here? And I said, my daughter um, has been diagnosed with appendicitis, and so. And he said, well. He said, can I pray with you? A lot of times we expect in those moments 
that the church, little church, little C church, is going to provide. Ladies and gentlemen, let us not forget that there's a big C church. We're called brothers and sisters regardless of where we go for a reason. I didn't know this man, but he prayed with me. I cried on his shoulder. He bought me dinner. And he continuously came back and checked on me. And Jess, and Jess went back home, but he continued to check in on me. And what I will tell you, ladies and gentlemen, more than anything else is, It took me far too long to look at him and say, why are you here? And he said, my daughter's downstairs. He basically said she was dying. They couldn't figure out what was going on with her. And in the midst of what he was going through, He was sitting one floor up, ministering to me. He must reveal to us the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of his love so that we can comprehend it because many times we put him in a box. And our God does not fit in a box. That day God gave me manna. He gave me what I needed. And I pray that that manna has gotten me to land where I can now Step into what he's called me to. Claim the victory that he has won. And that I can, can encourage the next person who's receiving manna. That that victory is real and it's possible. So my question for you right now, ladies and gentlemen, is, is will you trust in God? Right? I know you've trusted him for your salvation. And you know the good news of the gospel. And if you don't, please see me afterwards. And I'm more than happy to share that. Because, boy, that's a fantastic thing. But as we know the good news of the the gospel, my question is, what are you facing right now that you must trust God for? Is it health challenges? Um, Is it um, a member of your family um, struggling in some way? Is it financial challenges? I can guarantee that all of us at some point are going to face something this year that we need to trust God for. And we need to keep our eyes on him. On Jesus, the one who is sovereign. The one who is wise and loving and ask him for help 
to guide you, to strengthen you. So if you're struggling, if you suffer from anxiety, whatever it may be, and I'm not saying it's going to be an overnight process, but start with God. Trust him. I would um, just like to close um, with giving you folks uh, an example of trust that I came across. This is one of the most powerful things that I've read recently, and it's um, Brother Yong's story of, of being a persecuted pastor in China, and it's recounted um, in the book, The Heavenly Man. Um, and Brother Yong's experience was um, after facing weeks of torture, including electrocution, starvation, beatings, um, the list goes on with things that are just gut-wrenching. After experiencing these things, he was thrown in a box that was about four feet long, three feet wide, and four feet high, understanding that this man was five foot ten, where he would stay indefinitely. The day after he was put in this mini cell, um, he felt prompted to pray for a Bible. Can you imagine facing that? And your heart's desire is a Bible? I know, a ridiculous idea, right? Considering that many people were in prison at that very moment for being in the position of such contraband. So he was praying for something that was illegal. But he prayed it anyway. And inexplicably, the guards threw a Bible into his cell the next morning. And he wrote, I knelt down and wept, thanking the Lord for this great gift. I could scarcely believe my dream had come true. No prisoner had ever been allowed to have a Bible or any Christian literature. Yet strangely enough, God provided a Bible for me. Through this incident, God showed me that regardless of man's evil plans for me, he had not forgotten me and was in control of my life. Would we all trust God like that? Would we all trust God like that? That is my prayer. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, let's close. Father God, I just thank you so much, Lord. For the blessing of another day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the examples that you've given us in your word, but also in our brothers and our sisters. We thank you for joy that comes with trust. We thank you for your faithfulness, your love, your sovereignty. We thank you, Lord, that you are so much greater than us. And Father, we just pray that you would just help us 
to comprehend what your will for us is as we move forward in this life. You are so great, God. You are such a blessing. And though there is nothing that we could possibly ever do to repay the debt that you have paid for us, Lord, I just pray that we would be living sacrifices, that we would give all that we are in your service. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray with great thanksgiving. Amen.